Welcome to Crowdsourcing the Revolution. I'm Amanda Rice. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about the ERA and a little bit about the strike going on against Kaiser for better mental health services. And if you'd like, we can do an update on the elections that happened on the 23rd, which was the primaries for New York, Florida, and two others. You know, don't you hate it when you have a neighbor with lots of noise? All right, let's get started. If you'd like to call in, I always welcome folks to give me a ring and we can talk about anything you'd like. I think I'll start with the um, ERA update. So the Equal Rights Amendment, for if, if you aren't aware, has not been added to the Constitution, in spite of the fact that it has gone through all of the required steps that are outlined in the Constitution in order to be added to the Constitution. The Equal Rights Amendment was written by Alice Paul in 1923 and was introduced in Congress every session and was finally passed in 1972. So it only took it almost 50 years to get to the point where they would send it out to the states for ratification. 38 states are required to ratify. Until recently, 2017, there were 35 states that had ratified. In January of 2020, Virginia, ratified and became the 38th state. There was a part of the resolution related to the amendment that said it would be effective from two, two years from the date of ratification by the 38th state. That has happened. It is still not part of the Constitution, even though it should be. So there are different opinions, obviously, otherwise it would already be in. There are different opinions about what it is, of whether or not it should be in the Constitution. One of the um, scholars that I read said that all that needs to happen is the president needs to tell the National Archivist to publish it. That's it. Um, and that's not been done. There were some hijinks that happened when the previous Attorney General, Barr, determined that actually it shouldn't be added to the Constitution, but the argument um, has gone to the U.S. District Court of D.C., and um, there is no reason why Merrick Garland, the current Attorney General, couldn't reverse the opinion that was given by Attorney General Barr, January 6th, 2021. 
or 2020, sorry, not 2021. 2021, January 6th was a bit of a different day. Welcome everybody who's here. I'm just reviewing the Equal Rights Amendment status. And um, so what can you do? This is the most important thing because little or less don't got no don't got no power. You know, we we're not Joe Biden. We can't send we can't send a letter to the National Archivist saying to publish it. But we can contact our own representatives. We can be bothering Merrick Garland with a letter. If you are interested in finding out more, you can go to eracoalition.org. That's E R A Coalition C O a l i t i o n dot org. Um, that is an organization that has um, that was formed in 2014 and is is working hard with the League of Women Voters and some other groups to try to finalize this amendment that's taken so far a hundred years from the date it was written. Um, one thing that I meant to do a little earlier. I would like to read for you what the language is because it's not a very the the people that I know who are would have been feminists or were feminists in the 1970s and worked on this campaign then were surprised to hear that it's still not part of the constitution which says to me that might we might be missing some uh, communication somewhere because it's been a bit of a thing. So, the 28th Amendment, which hopefully it soon will be, says this. Equal rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. Very simple. So what you can do, the other thing you can do is you can um, the the ERA coalition is evaluating candidates for Congress and giving their seal of approval or their hey this person isn't really into equality evaluation and you can um, find out what your representative's position is by going to electequality.org and that's run by the ERA. Again, that's electequality.org. I welcome anyone to call in if you'd like to. A um, couple of other brief things before I talk a little bit about the um, strike that I went to yesterday. Um, so last time we talked a little bit about the left legislative exchange. We talked about the National Interest Council. We talked about ways of having in, uh, information for independent voters or um, campaign infrastructure for independent candidates. And there's a, it's a very complex system that we are all part of. And so I think there's room for lots and lots of projects, um, but they can't all go on at once annoyingly or by just the same couple people. So we will start to focus down on a few specific projects, but um, at the moment, the main, my main goal for this show is to provide 
um, a range of information and things that people are already doing. Like the, the, if you're not aware of ALEC, the American Legal Exchange Conference Commission, I don't know what their C stands for, but they are a very right-wing group that writes legislation for state legislatures to use. And I think there should be something like that on the left. There are, um, it turns out, a few resources related to doing um, how do we exchange ideas better across different states and communities. And one of those I mentioned last time was called Million Experiments, which has a website that has a bunch of um, ideas that people have implemented in different communities related to 911 or or non-police response 911 it's called non non 911 mutual aid and various other um, more collectivist type resources in communities moving forward on to so yesterday i went to I went down, I live in Oakland, California, and I went down to um, West MacArthur and Broadway, um, kind of downtown Oakland, where Kaiser Permanente has their main campus. They um, provide, they're a, they're a medical group that provide, has provided health care and insurance for Gosh, I was born at a Kaiser Hospital, and I'm 53, two, 52. What year is it? <laughs> so, so the reason that these people, there's 2,000 mental health therapists that are currently striking against Kaiser Permanente. And the reason they're doing that is to, for better working conditions. And the better working conditions they're asking for is actually a benefit to the people who would be their patients. So the way that the law is right now and best practice, if I'm having some kind of mental issue and I wanna talk to somebody about it, I go and I get, I get a referral. If I'm a Kaiser, if I'm insured by Kaiser and Kaiser is where I go, then within 10 days, somebody is supposed to assess my mental health state. And the state of California has passed a law saying that not only do you have to have that initial evaluation within 10 days, the first appointment should be within 10 days of the evaluation. Right now, if I were to be evaluated today at Kaiser, I would not be able to get my appointment, the one that's supposed to happen within the next 10 days, so before the second week of September, I can't get an appointment until the end of November. Kaiser Permanente had until January 1st, that's when the law went into effect. They complained to the state and said, we, we, we will not be able to implement the changes needed to be able to, to meet this law. So the state of California extended the deadline to July 1st. Kaiser still has not met the changes that are required so that mental health professionals can actually treat their patients 
in the way that the patients need and in the professional opinion of the mental health therapist what they need. And it doesn't, from the people that I spoke to yesterday that were on the picket line, so they are admittedly biased. They are on a picket line because they think Kaiser isn't doing the right thing. That Kaiser's really not even trying to make an effort. There were there was some efforts in the early 2000s, late 1990s, because the service model on the medical side for Kaiser was so bad and it took so long to get an appointment that they um, they reworked all of the way that their that their systems worked on the healthcare side. They didn't do anything about the mental health care side, which I don't know why they're separate to begin with, but that's the that's what they need to be doing now. And and at the end, when I was leaving yesterday, there they were announcing that the state of California is now looking into Kaiser's uh, breaking of the law for the last at least almost two months now. So um, that's the situation right now. They are striking at, let's see. So they're striking every day of the week. In Oakland, they're striking on Mondays and Fridays, but they're also striking in Fresno, Sacramento, San Francisco, Santa Clara, Santa Rosa, Vallejo, Walnut Creek, Antioch, Redwood City, Roseville, San Leandro, San Jose, San Rafael, Vacaville, Richmond, South San Francisco, and South Sacramento. And so every single day of the week at different various locations, since August 15th, they have been out there on the picket line. And I plan to go back out there on Monday. It, it, it's good to see, there was probably about 50 people there yesterday, lots of honking cars as they went by, because that is a very major intersection. And um, it, was, it was energizing just to be there and talk to folks who are and be in solidarity with folks who are, who are really, this isn't about their pay, this isn't about the working conditions that they're asking to have fixed is actually a benefit to their patients. And I, it's ridiculous that it's not being addressed. And according to an interview that I had listened to, uh, an interview with Sal Roselli, who's the president of the National Union of Healthcare Workers, which is the union that the striking therapists belong to. Um, so he, he um, very interestingly, he said that this is not a this is not a strike because Kaiser Kaiser isn't isn't not doing this because they don't have the money they have plenty of money, and their CEO makes I don't know something like sixteen million dollars a year, and on top of all of that, they have endowments that are worth billions. So there's no reason why they couldn't. They just haven't. So that is the situation from there. Derek, Hannah, Rudy, David, anyone like to join the conversation? Because I know that I am not always the uh, most knowledgeable person in the room. Rudy, how are you doing today? Hey, Amanda, I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. 
called. Not being humble, I'm pretty sure you're the most knowledgeable here. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Humility, humility is an important thing to have, right? Right. Um, and I suppose it's uh, better to practice it right now before the boys come with their humility. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. I said, um, it's better that we got you around before the likes of Derek can um, come in. You know how they're humble, too. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Every, every, everybody's here got it going on. So yes, I know yes. that I, I'm really bummed because when I went to go publish the, the show from yesterday, I like yeah. I spent about 15 minutes talking to the to that therapist and mm -hmm. none of that came through because I don't know what happened. My phone went off, I guess. I don't know how that happened, but. Oh, was it, was it the, that 15 minutes in which we couldn't do yeah. it? Yes. I don't yeah. know what happened. I don't know what happened, but, but um, that's one of the reasons also why I'm going to go back out Monday. It was really interesting to talk to him and he was explaining kind of the process of, that's kind of how I found out what's going on not just the flyer that, that they had there. And, and while I was there, and I think this part did come through because I, when I listened to it, I wanted to make sure that it was, you know, um, the woman, Nancy, that came for in just in solidarity, wasn't part of the strikers, came and brought thank you notes. And I read the card. It was such a nice sentiment. It was like, you're being brave out here. Thank you for showing solidarity. Thank you for showing people that are workers that aren't in unions, that there are people that really do, you know, stand up for doing what's right. And you give courage to other workers to do this kind of thing. And that it was a really nice sentiment. I'm looking for it right now, but I don't see it. I only see the flyers. Uh, but I thought that was cool. She just came down to give those to the people that were there to say, hey, I'm glad you're out here. Nice. <laughs> hey, uh, nice. Derek, how you doing? <laughs> um, yeah, so I was actually saying I'll, I'll be on on Monday for sure. I'll be listening. Um, again, uh, my favorite uh, host is Allison, I think. Oh, she's at, she's at, when I, again, when I listened, cause I couldn't hear a lot of it when I was out there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm going to be doing some practice over the weekend. So if you see one of my shows pop up, it's cause I'm doing some testing on sound so I can get better sound. But yeah, I was listening back and what it just beautiful, beautiful produ producing work right there. <laughs> That's a showrunner. I don't know why I got so lucky. I hope she comes back again. Cause it was really helpful to have her on the call no um she filled in for me a few times right um and i just i think she's got a really good way of just speaking so concisely and making the just the right points and you know and she's also got a lot of energy as well Yes, I very much appreciate that about her too. And and she did a really nice wrap up at the end, referring to all the links and the stuff, and you know, just really lovely. If you happen to see Allison running around, her icon is a teddy bear with a, holding a big red heart. Yeah, she's she's a she's a good one. I think probably the folks in this room are familiar with her. Of course, uh, Vlad and yeah, yeah. Um, so what's your weekend like? I was I was actually hoping to go to a sort of um, 
pro worker sort of um, luncheon kind of thing, but then he got rained out. Yeah. Oh, bummer. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm trying to squeeze in as many of these sort of events as possible. Any protests can get to before the winter comes because. When it's winter time, my body just shuts down, and I, I can't be out there. Yeah. Hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. I can hear you now. Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Can I think you hear? I'm. I think I'm hooked in. Cool. Thank you, Rudy. And if when you get those, you know, I think it's people seem to really like it. And we're getting a lot of listens from yesterday's show. So we'll, I just I think it's good to show solidarity with people. And if we can signal boost some of this stuff and get some more attention on it, just like with the ERA thing, I feel like there's got to be at least one person in Congress that would be like, are you kidding me right now? Let me do this. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I don't know. It's just crazy to me to imagine that there's, there's a person out there in Congress that is well-intentioned enough to run away with this, but he's just so ignorant. I don't know. I, I know women that I have known for 20 years who were feminists in the 70s who are still feminists who did not know that it is this close. They knew that it had like stalled out. The ones who knew it wasn't part of the constitution knew it had stalled out. They didn't know that it has now had all of the 38 states it's required to be ratified. They didn't know that all that's left to be done is to actually add it to the constitution by publishing it. So it's possible with the obnoxious number of things you have to know and the obnoxious number of things you're probably learning as a as a person in the house of representatives even with the information you already have going in it's possible okay okay i feel you maybe maybe the um, evil people have also like sort of um not paid attention either no, no, the evil people have paid attention. I mean, Bill Barr did write a thing saying that, no, no, this is not, you're not allowed to do this. A thing, that's technical talk for the attorney general wrote a memo. What's good, humble? <laughs> What's up, Derek? What's up, guys? Bill Barr ain't shit. Well, fuck that guy. No, no, no. I, I like Bill Burr. Give me Bill Burr any day, but yeah, not Bill I'll Barr. Take, yeah, I'll <laughs> take Burr over Barr. That's for sure. Barr acting like he runs shit. He doesn't run anything. Runs his fucking mouth. That's it. Well, he's gone. Thank God. We know God. how to deal with that. We're just having to. <laughs> we're just having to to fix all of the stuff that that he that he did. You know, undo a lot of that stuff. I don't yeah. know if I don't know if uh, I shared this. So I, I'm not usually one for Facebook, but there's a game that I like to play on Facebook. So occasionally a friend of mine will post something on Facebook that like kind of makes me laugh or I learn something new 
I actually made a comment. My friend Colleen posted something, and it is the best Trump conspiracy that I have ever read, and it made me laugh so hard. And the fact that I felt the need to comment on it really made me sad but happy. So there, here's the conspiracy. The person who turned in Trump, the informant, the mole, is barren. And his future plans include going to law school and then running for president. Because, you know, if you've got the name, you can run. And undo everything his dad did. <laughs> it sounds like a For really good... For what his dad did to his mom. Comic <laughs> book or something. Yeah, right. that's fun. Fuck it. <laughs> I know, it's like the revenge porn I needed that day. <laughs> it's funny if you think back, especially to all the, all the faces that kid made over the years. Just kind of like distant, detached from reality. Yeah. Maybe yeah. he was plotting. That face yeah. could just as easily be like a plotting kind of vindictive face. Oh, for sure. You don't think that kid knows how to have a poker face? Holy cow. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's actually some brains in that uh, in that family, right? Uh, his Trump's uncle, I think, was like... In, in charge of MIT research or some shit? Professor at MIT? Oh, really? I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I just don't know much about it. I kind of feel I've got a friend that I shared don't know much about it. a couple things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, there's some yeah. things that just make me nervous. That would be one of them. Yeah. So in, in such families, right, I've always wondered, because there are some obvious, like, idiots that are produced in wealthy families, but I feel like there's also some decently smart people that are created in those like, and so then I look at the system and I wonder how much of the system is just like a bunch of Brian Williams's and how much is, how much is it a bunch of like Kissinger's? <laughs> I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty on the side of people who don't mind um, being the center of attention and those kind of people can be very different in their own ways. Mm. But, but I think you get lots of different types, but as an elected official thinking about all the people that I worked with. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, they're all pretty, they're all pretty much, at the local level, there's there's quite a few that I'm doing this for my community because I believe in my community. This is there's something happening here that I want to make sure that I'm part of because I want to make it better. That's mm. that's at the local level. Um, when you get when you get to places where party politics matters, then it's definitely more of a um, of a personality that likes to be in the spotlight. I like attention. It can be a little overwhelming to be in a whole room full of people that are, you know, all attention hungry. And that's like, that's their mode of social interaction normally because they're constantly trying to get approval. I'm, mm. I'm, I'd be curious. I'm just, I'd be curious to see what it's like to be, to like shadow a representative for a day or two and see what it's actually like when you're in that. Right. 
Um, so Amanda, you were in public office. You were in a smaller town, you said, right? Yes. How many people were there? Uh, about 4,000 permanent residents and, I don't know, tens of thousands of visitors a year. Okay, visitors. Oh, yeah, uh, because... Coastal town. Right. Just south um, of Big Sur, so lots of people who were on road trips and that kind of thing. So were you working full-time at the public? No. Uh, no? No, it's it's a it's a part time. Uh, it's an elected office, so it was about meetings, and I made six hundred dollars a month. Mm, I can hear hundred hundred dollars a hundred dollars a meeting. Up to six hundred uh, up to six meetings. And you know what? That's a law in the state of California. You every every elected official that's not part of a chartered city or county, every city or community that's not a charter city, mm. that's the most you can make. Since 1958, when they put the law in place, you make a hundred dollars a meeting. A hundred dollars in 1958 money is seventeen hundred dollars today. Right. So I would have made seventeen hundred dollars a meeting if they'd kept up with inflation. But the state law specifically says $100 exactly. That's and stupid. they've never changed it since 1958. It is stupid because then the only people who can afford to be on a board like that is somebody who is either retired or is a homemaker. And homemakers usually end up on school boards because they usually have kids and rich people. Right. Now, I was, I was not really either, but I'm an oddball in all kinds of ways. I've right. managed to I've managed to somehow not end up on the street, even though I'm basically mostly unemployed. That's 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 crazy. It's just putting a limitation on a yes. job, really unnecessary. But you also have situations like the city of Bell, California, which, while I was in office, had that huge scandal, and their city council people were making six figures, and their like, like almost everybody who worked for the city was making six figures, and it was like the most poor community. They were just siphoning all the money out. So you don't want to make it so much that it's an incentive to be corrupt, but you do want to make sure that if there's somebody that you don't have to work another job. So one right. of the one of the things I ran up against at the district that I served on that is actually not true in any of the cities or agencies in the county where I was, is our meetings, our board meetings were during the daytime, usually city councils at night, because city council's part-time. They don't work for the city, they're elected officials. They oversee most, so I'll speak about California because that's what I know, but the structure is in California for an agency, whether it's a city, unless it's a charter city, which means it has its own constitution and that's a whole separate thing. But if it's just a regular city or a district, people are elected to serve on a board or a council, depending on what it is that you're doing. And those people hire the head executive for the agency. So the city manager or the um, executive director, or they might be called the general manager. 
and they oversee the general manager's work of the district. They set policies like we will only buy recycled paper or when somebody doesn't pay their water bill, they get shut off after 15 days. Those are policies and that's what a board like mine did. That's policies like what's the minimum wage in your city? So, so city councils can do legislation, but they don't do the day-to-day -day work of when somebody has to go pay their parking ticket. No city council person, well, most city council people don't know that. I guess some places you could probably get your ticket fixed that way, but. Okay. You know, I was just thinking, um, so I know a little bit about sort of the functions of certain um, sectors of like, you know, uh -huh. city, public, city work, you know, and. Yeah. Um, so like zoning, for example. So zoning, the director of zoning is a director that's sort of, he, um, they are there and it doesn't matter which, which mayor, it's not the mayor that chooses. Um, but then above that, above the director, it's somebody who is chosen by the mayor. And so when they come in, they basically have like short term missions that they're doing things that they have to do that don't always align with the the long-term mission and i was just thinking um not to me not to be like a thank you or anything um, no like, no uh, please i was just thinking that something just um triggered in my head that the chinese model of like the long-term sort of view would be really nice and i was just wondering like how did you see that playing out in where you were like were there did you guys have in place the system that you had in place? Did it did it help you guys sort of set out long term plans and then do that, or did you find that there was a lot of bureaucracy like that basically just made short term goals at times more I don't know more important. So I'm I'm just thinking I'm thinking I'm gonna take this and then I'll and then I'll have Vlad up to ask his question. So so the answer is mostly it it wasn't about it it, it wasn't like it is in bigger places. It, it but but so so the state of California has has certain frameworks that that um, that different agencies have to do. So like every county and city has to have every place that has zoning, right? So every county and city has to have a plan for housing, a long-term plan for climate change, a long-term plan for all of these things. There's a long-term development plan usually. And um, those documents usually get updated on a cycle of, I don't know, five or 10 years, depending on the community. At the moment, um, Oakland, the city of Oakland is working on their Oakland 2040 plan, which is a visionary document looking out what do we want Oakland to look like in 2040, and they're just at the beginning of the process. So what they did was they put out a draft document, and they're taking comments at this point. 
and um, anybody who wants to can participate in all of those um, ideas and documents are put together and by the end of it they will have a plan that gets approved. So in terms of long-range planning it's different from I, and I don't know the specifics about how it's done in China, but it's different from um, where it's a more centralized thing. But in California, if you're a water agency that provides water to more than 3,000 people or you provide more than 3,000 3, uh, acre feet a year, you have to file every five years an urban water management plan, which is a 20-year horizon for how are you going to provide water to all the residents that you have now and that you plan to have in the next 20 years. What parts of the system need to be upgraded? So there is a lot of long-range planning that does happen at the local level, at the municipality level, and at the state level. Those documents and those processes are not, you kind of have to be a policy wonk to know it's happening most of the time. Like, I wouldn't know most of this stuff, stuff except that I'm just, like, super fascinated by it. <laughs> by it. And, and, like, how do we set the... Like, the thing that started me down my road to political office was... Okay, so how much water does a person need every day? I know it seems like a crazy thing, but the town I lived in was, have, has a limited water supply. You know, like the planet, there's a limited amount of water. But when you're trying to plan and the amount of water you have is just about enough for the people you currently have, well, can you ask those people to reduce the amount of water they use? But I couldn't find anywhere in 2003, 2004, you can't just go and look up how many gallons per day does a person need. Well, the Red Cross and the International World Health Organization say you need at least 10 liters a day for health and safety, but how much does an American use? It kind of depends where you live. So that's kind of what got me started. So I was already in a wonky area when I started into the process. I think what's not done is that governments don't communicate that they do have longer range plans because a lot of times you'll start to bubble up um, opposition because people will misunderstand what the vision is. Nobody's thinking the same way as everybody else. And like, oh my God, I'm outraged by this. And so it can be a rather, anybody who's been in government for any length of time will roll their eyes when you talk about long range planning, unless they are in a place where they actually do it if you've been in a corporation where they do strategic planning and it just goes into a binder on the shelf and nobody ever thinks about it again, that happens in cities too. But it's also true that it's an opportunity for the public to see what the longer range plans are. That's a very long answer to, a, to your question. Did I get to it? Yeah, yeah. You, you definitely knocked it out of the park. I went on a rant for a minute and you you took it, you mixed it up, then you made something beautiful out of it. Well, that's awfully nice of you to say. I thought I was going on far too long. I thought maybe I put you to sleep. <laughs> um, hey, speaking of planning, um, Amanda, did you invite people? 
Rudy, did uh, you invite people? I did. Rudy. What? <laughs> oh, he's gone. My fault. Yeah, if you would, if you would not mind sharing this, that would be great, folks. Vlad. How's everyone? Welcome. My, my question, Amanda, is uh -oh. it looks like you were getting paid a per diem basis, right, for the job you were doing at Big Sur. And if and if that was so, I heard historically that 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 our Congress was paid on a per diem basis. So if they were paid on a, a per diem, isn't it more reasonable that they should be paid that? Every time they show up, instead of giving them a, a hundred and seventy-four thousand, or what is it now? Probably one hundred and eighty thousand, because they gave themselves a, a raise last year, if you remember. So yeah, and actually, yeah, actually, that raise was based on a, an amendment, the twenty-seventh amendment, which was proposed by Hamilton two hundred years ago, and isn't in the Constitution, even though the ERA isn't. Sorry, side round. That is inaccurate. So, that was that was James Madison. My bad, Madison. Thank you. Thank you, Derek, for catching me right on the bat. So I wasn't off. Thank you. So so and, I I think a per diem would be worse. Per diem could potentially be worse because of travel expenses and everything. And, and just being from California, you know, travel expenses, if you live in the in the northeast corridor is not as big a deal. Um, I, I, I do tend to think that Congress is a little out of whack with their pay, but. That's only because they haven't bothered to increase the pay that they have control over of the regular people with minimum wage. So, you you, you do know, Amanda, that right now with uh, ninety thousand IRS agents that are going to be going out, they're exempt, right? They're exempt from getting audited. They put it in the bill, so they're well, not going to be that looked, seems... looked over. The... Right. That, well, that's, that's you know. Really unfair. That's un so unright, you know. It's it's it, like the IRS for thee, but not for me, kind of thing. <laughs> the IRS for yeah. thee, but not for me. <laughs> yeah, but and, when you have an so when you when you were, I would assume if you were working at the IRS, they're going to scrutinize your your tax returns anyway. I mean, when I don't I don't mind the IRS in. scrutinizing Derek. I know he has a couple of minis, million dollar stories. Oh, let's in there not in get a, personal. In a, in a farm there. Let's not get personal. Let's not get personal. <laughs> <laughs> he has a couple of million stored in some, one of those Wisconsin farms. No, no, no. Let's go, let's go ahead and get personal. That's that's where that's that's when my wings spread and I'm sore. <laughs> that's when I grab people way. like Vlad by my talons and I lift them up into the air only to dash them against the fucking stones. <laughs> I thought you were going to say only to drop me down my resolve earth. and my resolve cannot break. Anyway, so uh, Amanda, um, I wanted to, and I feel very, very strongly about this. You can tell because I, I lower my voice and I try okay. to sound like a sensitive person that, that really, really cares about stuff. All right. Um, I really think that uh, we should get a batch of people that uh, really are behind this ERA sort of effort uh, to go over to Clubhouse. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Clubhouse. I only just recently got on there. I haven't even uh, engaged in conversation or anything, but I've listened to a few shows just to try to figure out how it works. It, it seems like it's a little bit awkward, but there's a, a much larger audience, I think. 
Um, and the audience would be, I think, outside of just the, the sort of leftist kind of bubble that clearly exists here in Colin, you know, to some extent. Yeah, I think um, that it's Im- I think that it's important that that we show up in different places because I w- and I was thinking about this just yesterday. <clears throat> like me reaching everybody in the country doesn't do as much good as me reporting on what's happening here and is of interest here and then things that become of interest because they're of interest in other communities. It's easy to find so that other people can see what we're doing. Because I yeah. don't think it's it, we. I think it's been shown that when you try to communicate with 300 million people at the same time, your message is going to get fucked up. <laughs> right. Everybody's right. going to interpret it differently. So having having different cadres in different areas of the country of people who trust each other, and then like I'm networked with people that are not on call in, and that and if I go on to Clubhouse. I then will network with people that I wouldn't otherwise know. And I start to build trust. Like, just like here on Colin, I think those of us who start to recognize each other, Jenny, I, Jenny, I see you. Hello, Sinwi, I see you. That, that we start to recognize each other and then we start to build up a level of trust. So when, when you or Vlad or Jenny, even if it's something I don't necessarily agree on, I'm more willing to be open to listening and then I might be more willing to, if I'm wrong, change my mind or if I'm right, not be such a bitch about it. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. these are kinds of things. Please go on there. Okay. Well, um, aside from it being a larger audience, my impression was that there was a, a higher concentration of people from California specifically for whatever reason or a combination of reasons. Um, and I think that's good. You want to reach, a, a, I mean, it, it's open to anyone in the world, but it seemed like there was a high concentration of people from California. And I think that's good because they've got the most electoral college votes. And if this became an issue and the, 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 the amount of pressure that we could put on politicians could be concentrated, that would be the one state where you'd want to really focus on. So it seems like the perfect venue or forum platform yeah for uh, really increasing i mean aside from all kinds of other stuff uh like just comparing these two like nothing wrong with colin um i'm more comfortable i think with how this is set up but uh-huh. it seems almost the same just a little more awkward um but there wasn't uh, the the clubhouse thing i wasn't meaning to bring that up just for that even though i think that's a potentially great you know way to spread the news news or, uh, you know, influence people. Uh, I also wanted to push clubhouse because, uh, you know, what was that yesterday? Yeah. Yesterday. It seems like a long time ago. Um, over at Sabi, uh, you know, like towards the end of the show, uh, the issue of, uh, reparations came up and obviously you, you were there, right? So, you know, it became like I missed, this contentious. Kind I, missed of the, moment. I missed the part about reparations. I must've left before that. Oh, well, I thought I saw you. Anyway, I, I thought I, I saw you. I heard her once uh, last week, Derek. Somebody was kind of challenging her, and she was just went out. We need, we want re- reparation. Reparation is a must. I was like, whoa. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm with her. I'm with her. It's just, uh, uh, no, it was somebody else that, it was, Brady was just kind of, you know, sticking his foot in, in his mouth over and over. and As he always does. Anyway. Oh, anyway, yeah. That's a bummer. 
there's no point in talking about it if you didn't see it, I guess. But um, anyway, uh, I, I was thinking about how little I know about reparations, like any sort of real debate um, or any kind of attempts at the state level or any any policies that have been pushed. And I went over to Clubhouse just out of curiosity and coincidentally, um, I saw that there was a group named Millennial uh, Reparationist. And I scrolled down to like the very first show and I'm only like three fourths of the way through it, but it's very informative. It's really interesting. The debate dynamic there, at least in that room, I thought was pretty healthy and constructive. So I highly recommend that. I mean, within like 15 minutes, I had learned twice as much as I had already known. Not that that was all that much, can, but. Can you drop the, the name of the show on Clubhouse into the into the chat so that it's there? Yeah, yeah, no problem. Super, super. That's a great recommendation. I, I really appreciate that. And and I've been on Rockfin a little bit, and that's a really clumsy, klutzy thing. I, it doesn't even show you which shows are currently live. It's, but they have they have Rockfin? a lot of stuff there. Rockfin. Yeah. I mean, I I went to Clubhouse. I have it on my app. The only thing yeah. that Derek was saying is awkward. I didn't like it. They have all sorts of topics. Don't get me wrong, but I'm more attracted to calling. And I got why brought is that? Into Can you by, say why? It's it's really don't get me wrong. I yesterday, like for example, I got. Let me put it to you this way, Amanda. When I was still on Twitter before I got before I got kicked out because I used to just talk shit and troll, right? And uh, some uh, many people reported me, and I got a, I was on the program with Donnie the Don, the Constitutionalist, and she was pe inviting people over to Colin. Now she's no longer at Colin like before. The only problem with with Donnie the Don is just she's just too much of a purist. I respect her. I agree with, with some of the things she said. She's uh, into the third, fourth party candidate, kind of like all the socialists here and all that. But it's just too much. I was like, wait a minute. Is, you don't know enough. You're bringing in people that don't know enough too, have never really served at the small level local government and just want to bring them up and make them president. That's not going to happen. They got no record. They got no proof. You. What, is, what have they done in life? What have they offered? Kind of thing. That's what I would tell anybody that wants to run. I want to be president. Well, yeah, that's great. Wishful thinking. You know, you got to start in levels, kind of like yourself, Amanda, you know, big sir kind of thing, and then move up. And so when I, once I got into calling through my through Twitter, I started listening to other programs because I, I said, damn, if I'm listening to her, let's check out everybody. And then I noticed it was mostly leftists. It was mostly socialists. I started looking at RVN. I started looking at Pangburn. I like really Pangburn. Uh, I, I know Derek doesn't like him anymore. <laughs> he has his issues with him. Uh, but you know what? There was a variety of so issues true. that they, that they talked about. No, I know, I know. But you know the bullshit that goes back and forth between you and them. And uh, yeah, a couple I, of them. Sure. Yeah. A exactly. couple of them are stuck. Not all of and, them. Exactly. And, and the, you know, there's a variety of topics. So that's what interests me. And that's why I started looking into And, you know, little by little meeting Derek. Allison, everybody, I'm looking at their background, but I, I, I'm, I'm open. I like to hear. There's things I agree, things I don't agree, but uh, the whole thing is, I prefer the calling for, for that matter. It's just more. It's made to talk for critical thinkers and people that need to express themselves, including a holes like Schnarf, 
that just like to talk a lot of crap and insult, <laughs> insult people. And I think we could all agree that Schnarf is a big a-hole, really. He goes after white women like Allison and Sonia, and I don't think that's right. You don't do that. And then big blabbermouths like Lance. I like Lance, but sometimes he doesn't know how to shut his mouth up and let others speak. And I know Derek and Lance have a beautiful relationship. They're great buddies. <laughs> I think they're they're the the, the, the the arm duo, you know, side by side, <laughs> fighting for whatever the hell they're fighting for. But they're right there next to each other with Schnarf, fighting side by side. They argue together, they hate each other, then they come back together and love each other. So, um, so, so go ahead. I, I I have an interesting I have an interesting take on Schnarf, and I think that it, I'm not I I de- definitely don't want to be judgy, but. With that new information and my experience with him in different rooms, like he's super knowledgeable. The room I was in this morning, he asked a really pertinent question with really good context around it. I heard him on a different show. I think that he was hosting talking about the Middle East. Like Mm -hmm. now I don't know a lot about the Middle East, but I didn't hear a lot of things that made me go, that doesn't seem right. It all seemed pretty close to right, and it turns out that he lived there in Africa, northern Africa, yeah. for a while. I don't remember specifically where. But but I think all of those positive things were where there were other men around and not women. So maybe it's a... maybe it's Well, a, well yeah, because the, the thing is, he, he walked into the Karma Club, and it's hosted by some doctor, I guess, like, you know, psychology or whatever, and, uh-huh. and you know, other leftists and... and and gay people. And, and, you know, he was giving an explanation of intersectionality, feminism, and breaking it down. And just because they cut him off, one of the guys was gay, and you can kind of obviously tell by his voice and the, his expression. And mm-hmm. he talks, and immediately, you're a bitch, man. So he throws an insult when, they, when, when they're about to cut him off, or something like, wow, mm. I mean, you're doing so good, but you screwed yeah. it up with that shit, you know? Yeah. Or he start calling women, usually white women, cunts or shit like that like really get i'm like oh wow dude what the hell i bet you you wouldn't do that shit in front of people oh you no right here sure. because you're behind the app but i'm like dude that's that, disrespectful save that kind of language for lance exactly <laughs> and do it in his face and do it in his face you know <laughs> hey hey derek don't hate your best buddy lance like that dude come on no i, gotta... I don't hate the guy some people i just can't listen to that's why especially when they repeat themselves <laughs> they're already annoying and then they repeat themselves over and over and over Holy fuck. My that's pretty much all in calling <laughs> but anyway all the right. whole thing is amanda that yeah. that, that look snart does know his stuff but i i've corrected him one time he that's why he cut me off let me give you an example. He was talking about the New York Police Department uh, union that favored Trump. And I go, well, that must be local. I go, because most unions, they usually support the Democrat Party. He just stood pause. He didn't like it. And he just ranted. And I was like, dude, that's, that's, that's the fact. I'm giving you facts. Most unions are to the left. Democrat Party. They favor the Democrat Party. They don't favor Trump. So that was awkward that, that and maybe unique that there might be, not only New York, some unions for the police representing the police department that did support Trump. So you're, you're assuming that one in your local community, you made a big fallacy in your argumentation and he got so pissed off. And, and ever since then, you see, when, when, when you try to correct him, you see, he's here, believe it or not, the attitude that Snarf has, Amanda, he's here to try to teach you, to tell you how it's oh, done. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So for usually sure. when, when he gets confronted, 
Yeah, when he gets confronted yeah. with the facts, that you're, you know, attempt to correct him, he gets belligerent, disrespectful, and he just starts throwing, what do they call it, uh, sucker shots at you. And, I, and yeah. that's wrong. I go, because you were doing good, you were explaining good things, and I was listening to you, but you got nasty. You killed it. And on the other hand, challenged him on, yeah, go well, ahead. I was going to say, on the other hand, uh, late last night, uh, I had a really constructive little conversation with Schnarf and uh, Marco and Thomas. And, uh, you know, it was a total opposite. Um, we were talking about... Uh, reparation issues um and that's where that's when i started to think about how much i didn't know uh based on the fact that it didn't seem like anybody else in the room knew much about these issues even though i would say all three of those people are pretty informed in a lot of ways right yeah you never know where conversation is going to go talking to the people that make you uncomfortable can lead to all kinds of great shit Yes, it can. Yes, it can. Sorry, Amanda. No, go ahead. But still, he's yeah, but still, Derek. I'm gonna get going, but Derek, he's nowhere like you, where he's willing to work with everybody. Like, be yeah, I'm a fucking sweetheart. sweetheart. Yeah, I know. But we I, love you. That's why we, that's why we love you. That's why we hate you too, bro. But we love you more than we hate you. So you're you're cool in my book. Yeah, I'm just cool. Anyway, you know? That's just how that works. And and, and 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 you know that was a month <laughs> after I had met some some dummy from Wisconsin, the one I told you about, that Peter Coyman, who was yeah. totally off the wall. And I was like, if people from Wisconsin are like this, I don't ever want to go there, not even for the cheese. Yeah. Let's know? not talk about that guy. But I I would say you know like, yeah yeah, if if Schnarp is on some kind of fucking trip, then just just dip out, you know. It's something I have trouble doing, you know. I, I like to be confrontational, but I mean, choose so, your battle so sometimes. I'm, you know? So I'm sure. just gonna, as a, as a, as a, as a thought experiment, all of us are constituents of somebody, right? Some school board, some city council, some county supervisor, some state governor, and and this is a microcosm of the kinds of personalities that I dealt with as an elected official. So think about <laughs> dealing with <Sorry>. Snarf <laughs> calling you up because he's got this great idea and it's a great idea, but At you've got this history with him, but you've got this history where he's been an asshole to a bunch of women and he's like just going, you know, so, so just when I just, Put that out there as a thought experiment. As you're listening to these conversations and you hear the kind of, um, you know, the backs and forths and stuff, this is this is the kind of thing. School board's even crazier than I've ever heard on call-in. But, but it, it, that's what makes it fun to go to local meetings. I'll just say that right now. And if your local area is still having their meetings online, you should just find out what day it is and log in and watch because it, it it's kind of amusing once you start watching it a little bit. There's a lot of interesting stuff that happens just personality-wise. It's a little soap opera. Plus, you learn more about where right. you live. I was going to say maybe maybe this uh, app should be called uh, Call Out because <laughs> on, a, on a long enough on a long enough coronavirus issues. Well, you know, Amanda yeah. and Derek, listener. It's very easy to access the Open Access Medical Journal on the NIH library. All you have to do, you can use Google, 
or any search engine and put in PubMed and then any keywords you want. So for example, in 2005, uh, Virology Medical Journal, there's chloroquine, chloroquine safe and effective versus coronavirus, 2005. That's in the NIH library. Then there's uh, zinc uh, uh, and zinc ionophores uh, uh, effective against multiple viruses, including coronavirus and what they call, I think it's our terrorist virus. Not a word I'm using, which includes the polio virus. That's a 2010 medical report. So, uh, who's having their primary the same day as the election in November, which I don't know why. Um, but there were some interesting things that happened in New York that say that that's definitely a party state because um, much m many more establishment types got in, and one of the one of the um, one of the incumbents who's kind of um, I guess squad light. If if you listened to Brianna Joy Gray's episode about the New York elections this week. She talked, they talked a little bit about um, Mondra, 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 uh, Mondra, why am I not thinking of the last name right now? Just a minute, William, I'll have you on. One sec. Um, I want to say Mondragon, but I know that's not right. Oh, this is the thing that I wanted to let people know. So I was talking earlier about how that how certain candidates are ERA certified. Right now, for the 2022 election, there are 15 candidates who are ERA certified. Looks like six from California, Rashida Tlaib from Michigan, Angie Craig in Minnesota, Oh, three in Minnesota, Angie Craig, Dean Phillips, and Ilhan Omar, one in New Hampshire. Their primary is September 13th, Chris Pappas. Uh, Tom Malinowski is ERA certified. He also has an unresolved case in front of the Ethics Committee of the House for failure to disclose stock trades in 2019 and 2020. Just FYI, folks. He's Tom Malinowski in New Jersey. Um, and then Chrissy Houlihan in Pennsylvania, Marcy Vizi in Texas, and Susan Delbini or Delbean in Washington State. Also last night, I talked to one of the candidates for Maine 2nd District. Her name was Tiffany Bond. And I asked her to, I, I mentioned the EP, ERA certification to her during the show last night, and I hope that she will um, get ERA certified. Because I mean, that's a that's a stupid small number of 435 that are ERA certified. Amanda, and again, you can would you go to e electequality.org to get the information about your representative? Were you go assuming ahead, um, Tiffany Bond uh, was pro-choice? Or did what she did, say that at some point, by the way? She, she, she didn't. She didn't. She didn't. Okay. But I didn't. I also didn't ask. 
Not that that should, you know, I'm just, be the only like consideration. Yeah. Cause I mean, the ERA should be passed anyway, just on principle. Right. So. Right. Right. For sure. But I think that she, where she was coming from, I think the, the equality of rights thing is not, not really, it's not a hot button topic. It's just not equality is, I mean, not in the circles I've ever been in. I've been in some weird circles that look more like trapezoidal nightmares. <laughs> Amanda, on Clubhouse, oh. uh, I found a room full of lawyers, and I, I wanted to introduce the idea, you know, with that crew. Um, but they, uh -huh. it, was, it was terrible. They, it was just a bunch of them all at speaker at the same time. It was never <laughs> less than two people talking over each other. It was impossible to even get to like wedge a word in between, you know, it was awful. So I gave up after like a half an hour. I was really disappointed. Um, I'm going to have, I'm going to have Jenny up William. And then I'm going to pull you up after Jenny. Cause Jenny hasn't had a chance to put in her two cents. Did I see that you started this show, Miss Jenny? Yeah. I, I'm starting on September 1st, Monday through Friday morning show. Awesome. What time? Uh, it'll start at 9.55 Mountain Time, so 10 a.m. Denver Time, noon, back east. And um, my show is devoted to parental rights. And, Derek, I was just typing a comment in the chat that uh, <coughs> that is also my biggest issue with Clubhouse, is it's just chaotic and very difficult to be heard. And the moderators don't have the tools that we have here at Colin to deal with their trolls and people who hijack conversations and so i i really do not like clubhouse chats either yeah it's kind of like it's all the things that are bad here it seemed are, are worse over there um i think so too what are some good things i don't i don't know how long you've been on there or how much experience you have but i don't know anything really i was so excited about it when it first came out because I've, i'm a long-term podcaster i started in 2011 on blog talk radio and I love podcasting. It's my wheelhouse. And when Clubhouse came out, I was like, oh, this is going to solve all my problems just in terms of engaging with my audience. And so um, when I started, it was a show for moms called Moms Who Write. And we're basically moms who have written books, but we're not like trained authors and we don't have editors. It's kind of like glorious blogging. You know, we just throw our stuff out there on the Internet see what sticks and call it good because we're too busy with our families to have you know a professional writing career so I invited a bunch of authors to join the group and it was the same thing it was just like one person could just hijack the room take over you couldn't hear the other voices the technology at the time was not that great and so a lot of lot of hiccups there's hiccups here on Colin too but I felt like it was just a better design platform so when Colin came along I, was, I, I joined almost immediately I think I, I think I finally caught on to why there's like this strange uh, communication, the, these strange habits. Um, you know, like when I first jumped on Colin, uh, I noticed right away that all kinds of people really like to give speeches. And I was like, why, why don't people just talk normally? What the fuck is going on? Um, and then after a while, it sunk in like, oh, OK, so everybody is competing for airtime here. So they feel like they have to talk for as long as possible before they get cut off by somebody else. So it seems like it's just 
like it makes it worse because everybody just kind of abandons the normal way that they communicate in everyday life and they get on call in or clubhouse and they change it up in this way that's uh, strange you know i really saw that phenomenon kick in hard when matt taibbi and all the other glenn greenwald all those guys started their shows here on call-in they would have people call their shows and just like assume that they'd been handed the microphone to share all of their political theory with everybody who was waiting with bated breath to to hear their thoughts and it was like same exactly can we just have a conversation and so there is a group of call-in participants who they're too shy and frankly afraid to start their own shows where they do have that platform you know but they they want to come in and just kind of run everybody else into the ground and i hate it I have a question for you, Jenny. How did you come to Clubhouse? I mean, to to call in. Uh, Like, how did you find it? I think I found it almost right after they started it. And I was on Twitter. I can't remember whose tweet. I think it was somebody like Glenn Greenwald saying, oh, I'm starting a new call-in show. Because I've read his work for decades. Even before he started The Intercept, I was reading his blog. Yeah, yeah. I love Glenn Greenwald. even Even when he's crazy. (laughs) <laughs> well, the, the things that people are accusing him of, of being crazy about are some of the reasons why I love him the most. But I, I see his blog. I, I watched the Snowden thing go down on the intercept. Yep. yep. I was so proud of him. I feel like he's one of the most courageous journalists in the world. And so when he Agreed. Said he was starting a show over here, you can go look at my profile. His very first show, I managed to get on as a caller. I was like one of the last people. And to be sitting here talking to my friend, you know, somebody I think of as a mentor, Glenn Greenwald, Mm -hmm. it was was quite a moment. So I started a show after that. I actually started three shows on Colin, but I felt like they were so poorly produced and nobody listened. And it was just like a waste of my time that I deleted. I deleted all three of them. But Colin's very addictive for me. So I took a break for a couple of months during the summer, did some other projects on my sub stack. And then I decided I'm just going to do one show do it every day, try to keep it kind of short, you know, maybe 15 minutes to an hour, somewhere in there. None of these long three, four hour things. Nobody's got time for that, especially busy busy parents. And so, um, you know, I'm just going to make the commitment to do it every day and we'll talk about everything. That's, that's cool. Can I, can I, I I know this is a little probably, this is off the topic of of this show and it's a little bit behind the curtains, but when you say not, not very well produced, can you just be more specific? Cause I'm trying to learn how to do it better. So, so I'm I'm interested how, what you, how you define it wasn't very well produced. I'm a singer. So one of my shows was just music by Jenny. And there were so many technical difficulties trying to figure out my microphone and there was just all Mm. this noise. And then I would go in and try and edit it, but that would sometimes make it worse. And it was just like, Uh. you know, there's just a learning curve for figuring out the sound. And, um, and like I said, people were not really interested in my work. I had very few people call in and you get a little sheepish, you know, you're like, okay, I guess people aren't really into this. And I did have a few guests here and there, but, Mostly it was just me talking. And so, I don't know, I just, I felt like it was just good to let it all go. And those shows are archived on Spotify and Apple Podcasts because they, they RSS over to those feeds. Right. So I still have copies of those shows, but I just decided to scrub my call-in profile for a few months 
and then come back and start over and, and just try again. And honestly, I've spent these last few weeks coming into all of these other shows just so I can meet the other hosts and get to know them. And, you know, can we collaborate on anything? Do we have anything in common? Because quite often you say, oh, I'm a MAGA-loving Trump supporter who, you know, is a libertarian. That gets you canceled with a lot of people before you even say one word. And so yeah. I love that you guys are willing to talk to me. I, I think it's just tremendous. I don't think it's about being willing. I mean, I, I mean that's, that's part of it. But I, I value... This is this country is a kaleidoscope, and I value. I've learned more from people that that I didn't agree with than I, the people that I did. Oh, me too. And and I think that that's a value. I think that you have you approach people with an openness and curiosity instead of judgment, and I think that that is how you come across and that makes a difference because if the first thing you're doing is you guys are wrong yeah well, that's not going to get me you, on your side <laughs> i don't know about you but when i meet somebody new my first question is never so what's your political affiliation right yeah. you know? exactly i never do exactly that. i try right. to get to know people on you know what books have you read and what are you into and do we have anything in common or we talk about the weather for crying out loud we don't right. always have to be politically engaging on every issue. I don't know. Right. I mean, when it comes to dating, though, I need to know right away. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> sticking my junk anywhere it doesn't belong. <laughs> you're a Democrat or a Republican. Trust me, I am not interested. Take a hike. Well, I'm not talking about the whole uh, marriage dating uh, scene. I'm talking about just meeting a new friend. Or potential. Mm -hmm. I know. I was trying to be yes. funny, Jenny. Yes. She. It was very funny. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm but but laughing. you're she. I I I I feel you, Jenny, because you are making an important point. Derek's joke is very funny, though. I I I hear you though, because you are making a critical point, and I and I don't want to minimize it, even though Derek's funny. I don't want to minimize it because having these conversations, it's one of the things that I think, um, Aaron Mate does a really excellent job talking to people that he doesn't agree with without making them seem like they're the bad guy or whatever. Brianna is very, very good at it. And, and I think part of that is they both approach it with openness and curiosity and not like I, cause I don't know anything about you. So I, I try to be open to everybody. And unless I get stung, and honestly, if you're really cute, you can probably sting me twice before I actually will shut you off. Because I just well, don't think that, I think everybody has a bad day, you know? It, and if during, I don't know somebody. During my whole adult life, I have been the token conservative in several circles. I'm a birth activist. All of those gals are leftists. I live in Boulder, Colorado, so all the mom groups I went to when my kids were babies and the playgroups and the Leche League and all of these groups, homeschooling support groups, almost all progressive women. Again, I'm the only conservative. And so if I had had that posture, I wouldn't have had any friends, you know? Yeah. And Jenny, and I, don't, I don't think conservative quite sums it up. It's more like, I mean, you're, you're a libert libertarian hippie, right? Or a well, hip I am hippie who libertarian? I am partly because of my friends. These were yeah. educated, smart people who I'd never met people like that. I grew up in very conservative circles until I was married. And then we moved to Boulder and I give my friends the credit for 
pointing me towards certain books or certain ways of thinking and, you know, so much value that I learned from them. And they were willing to listen sometimes when I talk too. you know, I just, right. I just heard Rush Limbaugh say this on the radio and they would snicker and laugh at me. <laughs> but a few of them were like, wow, I'd never thought of it that way, you know? And so there yes. was some give and take that was very, very healthy. More people should move to Boulder and have that experience or more people should move. Do you think that, do you think that, Okay, so this is a question. Do you think that the uh, the flip, the mirror image of that could happen? Like me, super lefty, almost anarchist, in in a group of of my peers that are all conservative. Well, Do you think that you, that would be tolerable? Well, let me tell, tell me what, what you think. Let me tell you what happened to our family when we moved to the most white bread conservative community probably in America, which is Theater City, Utah. This is my husband's hometown. We moved there for three years because three of our kids were at the university and we wanted to save money just living together. And I cooked and the kids went to school. So we moved to this white bread community. It's like 99.8% white. And what I observed in that town was some real love. I met the first several lesbian couples who were raising children together in that town. They were being treated with kindness and openness. Their kids were being very welcomed. My own niece came out as a lesbian during this time, raised in an uber Mormon family. She and her three daughters were being embraced and loved and financially supported by the people around them while she went through a divorce and it was struggling. So I saw some real acceptance and love. And you have this kind of like conservative trope that we're all a bunch of old time bigots and haters and, you know, we'll thrust people out of our midst who don't share our views or have the color of our skin. I didn't see it. I didn't feel it, mm-hmm. you know, it yeah. was power. It was powerful for me to live, mm-hmm. live there for three years and then compare my experiences of living in Boulder where I did experience some real rejection for being a conservative. And honestly, I, I received the most rejection in this community for having more than two kids. You know, I, I would mm. be on the bus with all of my kids and somebody would say, are all these children yours? You know, and I'd be like, well, yeah, but I left the other six at home because they were being naughty, you know? And it was like, they could not get my, my. Oh, you must have, you, you, you must have been insulted a lot to have a good joke like that on it. it <laughs> That's a, a lot of people saying it. It was a theme of my young motherhood. I would go out with three or four of my kids. I have five, you know, we'd just be at the park or wherever on the bus. I, I always, we never, I, I never had a car. We only had one car and my husband used it. I always went on the bus or the bikes anywhere we went. And so it was on the bus where I'd always have these interactions with, it was always just some, probably some student from CU, environmental studies, you people are having more than two kids, you're selfish, you're evil, you're the source of all that's bad. And, uh, you know, I finally came up with that line and they never had anything to say. They couldn't believe I cracked a joke. It's actually kind of funny. <laughs> it, it, it is. And, you know, sometimes that kind of, that, that kind of thing can disarm disarm somebody and and uh, you know it's very hard there are some topics and and i've discovered recently there are more topics than i thought that are actually i actually discovered i do get triggered there's a couple of topics that just trigger me to go on a wild rant every time uh, it's even close to mentioned because of how much i think people misunderstand about it 
and I feel I can feel when they're one of those topics comes up and I'm going to be talking to somebody that I disagree with and already I'm in a minority right I already know that almost nobody agrees with me about this one specific thing right but but yet still I know that I'm going to have to engage it I bet it um what do you think what do you think that you learn have learned from being the minority view uh actually i've learned a lot of humility that i don't know at all and there there are people who are very smart who have things to teach me probably the most prominent example of that is the under the banner of heaven book which don krakauer wrote i think in the 90s and or maybe it was the early 2000s i can't remember do you guys know this book no, I'm not familiar with it. What's it called? Well, Under the Banner of Heaven. Uh, Hulu just made a big series, uh, you know, series on the oh, book. Oh, okay. Okay. And, and it's, all, it's all about Mormons. And, you know, because that's my, the faith I practice. I was so indignant about this man who lives in Boulder writing this book about, about my people that I wouldn't read it. Other people of my faith had read it and they said, oh, it's, it's, really, it's really bad. It's really disconcerting. So my own bigotry was like, I'm not reading that book. It's not worth my time. So mm. this past year, the Hulu, the Hulu series came out and I watched it and I thought, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to read it. So I bought it and I read it and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was fair. It was deep. It's, it's, it made my heart sing. And, and I just thought, you know, why was I such a bigot about this book, you know? And it was my own sister-in-law who is not Mormon, who, you know, she's a lefty. She's, she's a massage therapist in Boulder. She said, Jen, you got to read this book. You just got to And I was like, no, I am not wasting my time on that book. You know, it's, it's just, mm -hmm. it's, it's horrible. So I prejudged, you know, I prejudged without doing any investigation. I'm, a, I'm ashamed of myself now that I did that. You know, I like to think I'm more open-minded than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think, I yeah, think more, yeah, I, I, I think it's not, I think that's kind of a universal, especially if you've been on the planet for longer than a decade or two, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and uh, also, but I appreciate, appreciate that, that thoughtfulness and you sharing this, this kind of personal part of you. It's very, it's very appreciated. Well, I'm 54 and my kids are all grown. I am empty nester. So now I've got the time, you know, now uh -huh. I've got the time to really do these deep dives with the reading. When we had teenagers, I was so busy. I was just flying by the seat of my pants. But now things have settled down. I've got time to talk and read and really be thoughtful. And some of the best conversations on the Internet are happening right here on Colin. That, that's my personal opinion. And I've been on Twitter spaces I've been all over the place on podcasting, but I think Colin is just a gem. Well, Jenny, you were you were there uh, the other day listening to Ryan Knight um, with uh, Tiffany Bond, right? I caught the last half of it, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, I think the last half of it had potential to be a really, really great conversation. I thought the whole thing was great, you know, and I really like and respect Ryan Knight. Um, but at the same time, uh, like I was triggered, there's different kinds of triggers, <laughs> like, you know, uh, my triggering was like this, 
you know, like on a topic that I really care about, just noticing that we're not getting to the full truth kind of triggering. Like we're not, we're not in the great place. We're in this really, really good place, but not great. Like, you know, um, Ryan Knight was, uh, first of all, Julia Bond is an independent candidate in Maine. And so Ryan Knight, even having her on, you know, being such a devout sort of leftist type committed socialist, that was great. That's it's fantastic. Just that alone. So I'm not shitting on Ryan Knight, but at the same time, you know, he, uh, he was talking about how he appreciated uh, some of what libertarians stand for. And the only things that he would mention are uh, that they're against uh, nonstop warfare and they're pro free speech. And those are really, really important. <laughs> and I'm glad he mentioned that. But at the same time, then he talked about how, you know, he, he sold socialism. He had to give a little, pro-socialism speech and it was like i wish you would just go ahead and name all the other things because it's not limited to that and i think that's where the greatness can be found is where you recognize that it's the the commonalities are so strong you know um aside from the, the economic or financial issues you know socialism versus like libertarianism or capitalism whatever however you want to define that in the context of that conversation but, you know, uh, being against war and being pro free speech, start there. Cool. And then talk about how, you know, uh, being uh, against perpetual warfare means you're, you're also against uh, never ending increases to military spending. Not that I'm speaking on behalf of you. I'm just saying from my point of view, you know, you're, you're against all that spending. Which means you're also against the largest polluter on planet Earth. So, so you're intrinsically one of the most effective and meaningful environmentalists on the planet. If, if you're, uh, somebody that, that is, has strong feelings about those issues. Um, you're also against attacks against our civil liberties and you're, you're against attacks against whistleblowers and journalists. You know, you're, you're, um, you're against the militarization of our civilian police forces and all of that brutality, all all of the the ri ridiculous stomping on the Constitution that our police forces do. You're against privatized prisons, and you know four or five other things that I'm I'm forgetting. But you know, pulling back just out of like a kind of discomfort is 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 sad to me. Like. That's what triggers me. These sad moments trigger me in this different way. You know, maybe he didn't mention them because he doesn't know them. You know, this is the biggest That's, thing. People say, "Oh, well, Jenny's a leftist. Jenny's a you know a liberal, a, a liberal." And it's like, no, I am a MAGA supporting libertarian. I wrote a piece for Libertarians for Trump before the 2016 election. I know what I believe. I know what I'm for, and I know what I saw, and I know what President Trump was prepared to do. And so that was why I supported him. But people okay, don't know but, that. They think, oh, how can you be for Trump? They believe the stereotype from the media. Yeah, I mean, Trump issues, that's like a different kind of ball game compared to what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about like his mentality. You know, his mentality is good and he's in the process of, you know, becoming great. And it, it's, it's just frustrating to see, you know, that, that step 
not being taken that extra step to really acknowledge all of those good things as much as you can so that you can recognize in, in that process, you can recognize all of the great things that could be accomplished with stronger alliances and, and working in concert on all kinds of very important issues that affect so many fucking lives, both here and overseas or well, abroad. I, I, could say. I was the one who asked him that question. What are the points of connection? And um, I thought he, you know, he, he gave me a basically a middle school level answer. And you and I are more hungry for the meat and we want to hear, you know, the well, nitty gritty details. And really, let's let's get to brass tacks here. So I understand that's what I'm saying. It's about the mentality. It's because he does know he's not he's not uninformed. He's very informed. He's a bright guy. And when he's right about the issues, he'll express his opinions uh, as good or better than I ever could at my best. You know, so it's it's frustrating because it's like, man, you're on our side. You're just not fucking there yet, are you? You know, well, it's one thing to to know it. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to articulate it in a way people can understand and and then to go even more to actually promote it you know there's not a lot of people who can do that or who are willing to do it well he's trying though just, just and, to make that well, clear and here's like the, the other thing is that is that people are very closely identified with how they define themselves and if they've taken a word as part of a descriptor of themselves and now, and and in in addition to that, as part of their internal paradigm of the world, they also have, well, I'm the good guy, so there must be a bad guy, so that's the bad guy. Like when I was, we're right back where we were when I was in high school. In high school, Sting put out a song called Russians, and if you have never heard it, go and listen to it. And it is exactly what's happening today. It is bonkers. Yeah, I was gonna to say me. it's it's like we're all we're all just perpetually still in uh, high school fucking pep rally. Mm-hmm. Fuck, nineteen eighty six all over again. I mean, really, in Europe, in America. It's like amazing that that shit's still going on. But, but if we don't, so, so I've, I've let go of the fact that I'm a Democrat and when I'm around my friends who are Democrats and because I was an elected official, even though I was not a partisan, I was around a lot of people who were partisan and they were mostly Democrats and they were parts of the central committee. So these are people that they were Democrats, right? So, so it was hard being around them when, when I would be pressured all the time. Oh, just join. It's no big deal. I'm like, no, I'm not here. It is a big deal. I'm not going to join. But, but having, there's also the side of like, I, it, I, when I was living in New Orleans, and this is something that I would not have said even probably five years ago to anybody in a public space. When I lived in New Orleans, I was a stripper. And I liked it. It was fun. I did it for a couple of years right after I got married. My husband walked me to work every day, and I worked in the daytimes, and it was fun. And I'm glad I did it. I was also a high school teacher. But everybody knows that. That's on my resume. <laughs> So, so I love it. There's... My best, my best friend here in, in Boulder was a stripper during all the years that her kids were little, and she felt like it was the perfect profession 
for her to provide oh, for her family. I would never do it today because when I did it, cell phones were all, not also cameras. Oh, yeah. Cell phones weren't a thing when I did it. I did it in the 90s. Their cell phones weren't a thing. So it wasn't like everybody had a camera, which that would have made me crazy. I would not have done it in that case. But so so there's so the way that we let go of ha who we think we are, who we want to define ourselves as, it's hard because what if I what if actually I agree with that libertarian and I've been it's I was raised in the Bay Area, the Bay Area. San Francisco Bay Area, the only one, the best ones, the only one. I was raised to believe that anybody who lived in Southern California, that they were the devil. Southern Californians, they're horrible. And that's just the attitude. But I hate Southern California. Bad guys down there. Why? I don't know. I don't even know any of them. We have to, we have to let go of what we believe we are. Yeah, and that's a really, really, really hard thing to do, as you probably are aware, Jenny. I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir and not telling anything, any, anybody anything they don't know. So well, thanks for letting me wax on. I don't <laughs> I'm going to let you talk. I don't Go know ahead. if I'm a mom of adult children, but it's honestly been my adult children, my oldest is 34, who have schooled me on so many issues as they have gotten educated. And again, this humility kicks in when you're like, okay, my son-in-law who's getting an environmental studies degree from CU, working with the absolute experts in the world is teaching me something, it's probably a good time for me to sit down and listen. And so I have tried to be humble with the kids and just not have this know-it-all because they all know how passionate I am about freedom, how passionate I am about my conservative politics. They make fun of me to my face, but I, I acknowledge they have things to teach me. And honestly, one of the main reasons I show up at all of these revolutionary and communist and socialist podcasts is because I want to understand my children better, the things they've been taught in school, the things they've been taught by the culture, so that we can talk, we can talk openly. And it's been wonderful to, to just have this as a resource because I'm not in their university classes. My, my son's getting a doctorate from the University of Michigan right now in chemistry. So I'm not there. I'm not on campus. I'm not hearing the things he's hearing. And it helps me to understand. And, and at the end of the day, once you understand people, it's so much easier to love them and appreciate what they have to contribute. So I'm determined to remain humble till my last dying day on this planet. Yeah, right Amen. On. Um, I'm Jenny, are you, to... are you sure you're a conservative, by the way? I mean, that list I... of things that I, I, I was talking about, I mean, you have that in common, all of those things you have in common with, like, the, the, See, the very the, sincere left. The it, this is the thing, it's just the label, the label, un, the person underneath the label is, is more complex than any label can put on it. But That's we why have like independent. to shortcut. I'm we have to shortcut. I'm registered libertarian. I register Republican for the primaries just so I can vote in the primaries. Then I go back to libertarian. When people ask me my political affiliation, I say I am an American woman. End of story. You don't add hear me roar? 
at the end. That's American Woman. American Woman. There you go. <laughs> Stay I'm away happy. from me. What do you mean? Uh, all right. All right. We've been we've been sitting here. I, I want to make sure that um, if if anyone has any questions, please feel free to call in. Um, I am going to go out on Monday to the picket line again in Oakland for the Kaiser um, mental health therapists who are, um, and, and this time hopefully I will have the interview come through. And this time the last one did, and the, I, I'm not a technic. I'm I'm not a technical genius, and so it went off. So, do you want to work? Do you want to work around? Do you do you want to work around for that, Amanda? Yeah. Try try not to capture it live. Just go ahead and record them on your phone on an audio app. And I use two phones. I have two iPhones that I use to do my work. If you'll just turn ah. on your call, just turn on your call and show, and then hold the the recording up with the second device. And just let it play, you know, right into your calling app. Got it. That will get rid of all all of that feedback and noise, and it makes it so much more effective. Got it. Got it. But I like to be there live, and for for, for people who uh, want to who who are on call in. But I hear what you're saying, and it would be more effective for of a show for to do it that way. I'm fully on board, and I appreciate that input because that's what I was asking for earlier. So thank you for that. Yeah, I acknowledge you, you, my friend. You know, <laughs> do one show live, and if it doesn't work out an hour or two later, you can just play the recording and do it a second time. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I definitely, definitely. Thank you. Um, so, um, electequality.org is where you can find out the status of your representative or senator related to the ERA. And um, we can, there, there were almost no independents that made it through the primaries in any of the states, but there's a couple of races that might, might get interesting. Um, if I look at the data, I did put the link to the to the Google Sheets um, that has all of the results, and the results have all been updated as of um, Friday. That's the best information that I could get from the State Board of Elections or the Secretary of State, whatever the agency is in the states that have had their primaries. So. And that link to the Google Sheets is in the show notes. Thank you all very much for being here. Thank you, Derek, for joining me as speaker. And we will see you all on Monday. Yeah, would you like to Peace. say something before we sign out? No. Sup, hero? Good work. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. We'll bring out the we'll bring out the civic idea next. Next, uh, next Tuesday's show. Cool. Have a great weekend, everyone. <laughs>